Pocock very keen to get into the action. Palau got away from one. They're lining up on the inside. And he's over! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fox Rugby uh, Podcast. Um, into the, the meat, meat of the uh, season now, and we've got Sean Maloney in this week on the line from Paris, where he's covering the Sevens, and Stephen Hoyles uh, in, the, in the studio with me. Had a few technical difficulties, but uh, I think we've got you down the line from, from Paris now. Sean, how are you? Bonjour, Sam Worthington. Bonjour to you, Stephen Hoyles, and hello to each of you putting us through your earlobes around the world. I'm well, Werther. i tell you why, well, after arriving in Paris yesterday by the Eurostar, I had my first ever Royale with cheese from Macca's, and it was delicious. Fantastic. And they do the uh, the mayonnaise with their fries over there, don't they? Did you get involved with that? Yeah. Yeah, you get some mayonnaise. And, Hoyles, how about this? You can even, you can even, I thought it was just a furphy, Get yourself a Heineken at Macca's with your big Mac meal or your are with cheese meal. What about a Happy Meal? Are they selling Heinekens to the kids over there yet? <laughs> Instead of a prize, you get like a, a mini Heineken. Very liberal society. I'd almost probably go with that option, to be honest. I'm sick and tired of the little presents they give kids. Because you know what? They're just so falsely made. At least you know what you're getting with a good quality product like Heineken, don't you? <laughs> So you've you've gone uh, you've gone to Paris. This is your first time, and you've just gone straight to Macca's. No no mucking around. No uh, no steak or or some snails. You've gone straight to Macca's. No, well, it was just because I'd seen Pulp Fiction all those years. All those years ago, you know, we go back <laughs> yeah. almost twenty years, uh, twenty two years when Pulp Fiction first came out, and when uh, Jules was talking all about the Big Mac and the Royale with cheese. I just had to have one, and now I've ticked that off. Paris appears to be an amazing city, and this weekend it'll be the Aussies going around in the penultimate leg of the HSBC World Rugby 7 Series, and the footy is going to be top-notch because each of the sides are starting to really build now for Rio. And I guess the uh, the big news in the lead-up to this was no Quade Cooper. He's, uh, the AAU, I guess, cut ties with him, given that they just haven't had enough access to him for training and and games, boys, what do we make of that decision? Look, again, without trying to be too critical of the decision, I don't think they they had opportunities to have him more, and I don't think they took those opportunities up. You know, I know he only came in late to the Sydney, but they said no to him. So I find that a little bit difficult to, to buy that, oh, we didn't have enough time with him. Yeah, you had an opportunity to have him a little bit more. I'd rather them just come out and say, look, he didn't fit our team, or his style doesn't work, or Lewis Holland is actually better for our team because they're the, they're the probably truths of it. So, um, again, Lewis Holland is probably our best player, so I can understand why you know you, you cannot leave Lewis out of the squad. So from a balance of a makeup going through to Rio, do you, they probably have made the right decision. I, I just don't really buy the whole he didn't get enough time with us and the visa stuff that he threw out. I just Again, it would have been nice if someone just came out and said, bang, this is why he didn't make the squad, and you know someone's accountable for that decision. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, I... Don't know that he had an. Like you're saying, well, he, I'm not sure whose fault it is, but he, he needed more time, much, much more time, not just on the field, even training. He was so limited in the amount of training he was able to complete with the, the side. So, I mean, you don't even know that he was up to it uh, fitness wise because he was never put in a position where he had to do the hard yards uh, on the training field. So 
it's um, it's this obviously disappointing to him, but I think long term, in in um, if you're looking at it from a broader broader spot, it might be better for the side if they stick with who they have anyway. All right, mate. Just give us a bit of a taste for things over there in Paris. Is there much interest there? It's a three-day tournament, isn't it? So another chance for teams to do a dress rehearsal for what they'll they'll face at Rio, and just run us through Australia's pool and um, and how they're looking at things. Look, a little bit of concern around how big this tournament's actually going to be because it'll run into the. European Cup final, the Heineken Cup final on Saturday. So they're going to wrap things up early doors on the Saturday, day two of the tournament to enable everyone to watch the big one between Racing Metro. And I think it's Saracens, isn't it, were they? The yep. opponents of Racing. That's been played out down in Lyon, but it's obviously a huge game. So they're getting around it that way. In terms of the sevens itself, a number of these squads, as I touched on, have bought in their big names and have really started trying to um, stamp their intentions on what they're looking to do in the uh, in the big one in Rio. So Fiji, for example, have put in uh, a big pool of really good 15s players who are now going to be given the chance to go hard here in Paris. And I think they will be deserved favourites for it over here in uh, France. Yeah, no worries. We'll catch all of that on Fox Sports. Sean, you'll be, be calling it. That booming voice down your lines as uh, try after try comes in. What about Kenya in the last tournament? Um, I mean, are there thoughts that the Kenyans can, can carry on this run of form and, and, and even be a bit of a threat at Rio? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. There are any one of, I'd say, probably six teams, six or seven, six or seven teams that when they are on, they are a chance of taking a gold medal. So that's the beauty of sevens. That's why we go nuts for it, because on any one day, if you aim up and the other side's off, just a fraction, just a fraction, it's all amplified compared to 15s. It's over so quickly, it's so knife-edged that any one of those sides can get the cash. Good stuff. All right, well, we'll jump ahead to a bit of uh, Super Rugby action and uh, I guess all the attention, most of the attention this weekend in Australia is Brumbies Rebels down there in, in Melbourne and it's going to have huge implications yep. for the uh, the Australian Conference winner. I think Sterling Mortlock, he, uh, two of his old clubs, he was asked to pick a, a winner this week and he sat on the fence. Um, what about you, Halsey? Who, who do you like? Oh, I still believe the Brumbies are the better side. I think they've had a tougher draw up until now as well, so the Rebels have been really inconsistent, but they've put themselves in position. So uh, my issue with the Rebels, or the reason I go with the Brumbies, is just the experience of, uh, you know, the Pococks back in, Fardy, Moore, Lili Fano. But they are getting tested with injuries with Tamil gone, no Spate, no Tamani, they're, they're short. But they had a good performance last week. Whereas the Rebels, yeah, I'm just, I'm yet to see them. They've won some games, but they haven't done, they've never really picked one game where they've stood out and said, yeah, we're genuine contenders, or this is why we should be in the top of our conference they rely really heavily on their back row which a lot of sides do and I've just yet to see their back line in particular their 9 and 10 fire so but having said that every time I've tipped the Rebels they've you know let me down every time I've you know, tipped against them they've surprised me so uh, I'll, I'll go the Brumbies in this just because their last week was a big game for them they played a side a Bulls who'd come off a really good win in Perth the week before and that was a pretty classy performance considering the injuries they had so yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the Brums what about you Shawnee? Well, I think I'm going to go with you on that one, Halsey. The reason why I will is because at long last we saw a Brumbies team that were able to bend the line. Their ball runners finally got it moving. I thought 
Jared Butler was terrific on Saturday night, probably man of the match. Oh, Friday night against Bulls, rather, maybe man of the match. Uh, Rory Arnold and Sam Carter were really busy in terms of their ball carrying. So that element of their game came back. I expect that to continue this week. And we saw that when they've got that 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 front foot ball to work with, that they can be quite a handful, as most teams are. But they just... Uh, they just looked so much better with those three punching it through the defenders. And you mentioned that front football, and I think one of the big benefactors in that is they've got a really good halfback who plays excellent footy off front football, and that's Thomas Cubelli, the Argentinian number nine, and he was outstanding the other night. He's he's sharp, he's a live wire. He doesn't necessarily a strong little fella as well. Yeah, he, he is. He yeah. is. He doesn't necessarily fit the mould of a structured halfback or like a George Gregan type, where he fits to a certain structure of the game or the game plan. He's very much on his own and not in a selfish way at all, but he just goes and I think they're starting to adapt how he likes to play as well. So he's starting to pick some combinations up with his forward. So just a few more threats in and around the ruck for me, I believe, at the Brums. Yeah, they need that creativity, don't they? Because they don't have a hell of a lot else uh, in that back line in terms of creativity and obviously missing the, the strike power of Tamani and Spate out wide. They could do with Bernie Larkham himself out there in, in the back line, couldn't they? Just just a little bit of creativity and, and flair that uh, they're struggling to score tries at the moment, aren't they? Apart from sort of set-piece stuff. Yeah, and they, they might act, what you might find through these these injuries they've had to their star backline players, they might revert back to what worked so well for them last year. They're rolling more, their forward-dominated play. They did try, and, and they, they showed actually, they spoke about trying to play a better, more attacking style of rugby this year, and I think with all players on deck they can do that, but Larkham's smart enough to understand that with three big-name backline players out, you know, three of your best players, you probably can't play that way you've spoken about all year. Let's go back to what we're really good at and give the forwards a little bit more ownership and let them um, tough it out a bit more, which suits them too. Before we move on, Shawnee, uh, your mate Brumby Jack, who you wrote about uh, on foxsports.com.au, have we got an update on, on how he was faring down there in, in Canberra? Is he OK? Nah, he was back to his best. He was back to his best. He was fine, Brummy Jack. Jeez, that, that's a good pick-up, that little yarn, were they? The one about the night Brummy Jack almost died. Oh, it was a fascinating read. I, I was unaware of that uh, sort of troubling backstory. It was a, a real emotional roller coaster. So if people uh, people haven't read that, might uh, tweet that out again for, for people to have a look at. <laughs> no, he was fine, mate. Just like the Brummies, he was fine last week. Happy days. All right, we'll move on to uh, another of the Aussie teams in action this weekend, the Reds over there in, in Wellington to take over the hur- take on the Hurricanes who have been uh, naughty boys over in South Africa or just sort of getting word today of a bit of a developing story that up to five Hurricanes players uh, might be stood down for this one for staying out a little bit late uh, in the Republic. I think Durban, by the sounds of it, uh, is where they might have been um, out a bit later. There are, there are a few distractions there, Halsey, on tour. Oh, Durban's a lovely place, and um, it's really coastal. It rem- reminds me a lot of... Uh, it's co- kind of, for my opinion, a combination between Manly and the Gold Coast. Um, really good surfing haven over in South Africa. So, yeah, look, it's a nice coastal feel and it's pretty easy to get distracted and they didn't go all that well unfortunately they've, they've been going really well up until then and yeah they've had a broken curfew and um they'll pay the they'll pay the price and they miss a game and it could, it could be a danger game for them that that new zealand conference is so competitive at the moment everyone but the blues could qualify for top spot it looks like and you know to me i don't know who the players are haven't been you might be no, able to inform me. No, I haven't got the uh, the scoop there yet. This all will be revealed at the team naming tomorrow on yeah. Thursday. So, so uh, yeah. they'll hang them out to dry tomorrow at the team naming. But look, the Reds, again, they're showing promise and they're showing a bit more fight. But do they have the class to compete with a Hurricane side? Certainly not their best 23 if there's 
five not in that 23, then then maybe they are a chance to pick up some points. Where do we sit on this issue of curfews, uh, boys? Um, it sounds like a pretty minor indiscretion. I mean, there's one school of thought that you treat these people like adults if, if they want to have a couple of drinks and come home at 2am, you know, that back them to look after themselves. Do you, do you need these rigid curfews um, in this day and age? What do you think, firstly, Halsey? Well, I think these type of things are only successful if they're driven by the playing group. Now, I've been in teams where coaches are... I've been a captain of a team where a coach was adamant that he wanted the players home at a certain time and tried to filter that through the players myself. And it, it's never, it never works because you're right, you're dealing with guys that are married and have kids and they're responsible and a lot of them, and, and let's, the vast majority have never stepped out of line as professional footy players. So you have to show them the respect they deserve. And I'm not a fan of coaches saying you have to be home by one or two o'clock if it's against the will of those players. So it's a fine balance between... Uh, I know the the best examples you hear stories of you know the All Blacks doing exactly what Richie and Brad Thorne and Dan Carter said, and I've always thought that those type of player-led movements are always the more successful ones, and that's when you find teams are in a good good headspace when they commit to something together, and it's taken away from the coaches. So I understand the day this day and age you need to be uh, on top of your game, you got to recover, you got to rest, you got to hydrate, but there's also a time for a blowout every now and then, and we are playing rugby. It's it's a fun sport and part of that comes with having a beer and socialising so you've got to allow balance and um, you know like I think if you were told that as a young kid that you know you're not allowed to go out not allowed to drink you know that's part of the fun as playing rugby Sean I'm sure you've enjoyed a, a fair few nights out in your days as a young rugby player Sean I'm told that the commentary team yeah. has got very very strict uh, curfews is that correct you you, you drive that uh, culturally within the commentary he's team got to, he's got to wear pants while he's commentating <laughs> that's it <laughs> Yeah, they get suspended if you go home before a certain time <laughs> in the Fox Sports commentary too. So just to confirm, though, were they? They were out after the game and broke curfew. Is that right? Mate, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whether it was uh, midweek or, or post-match. Uh, post-match, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure yet. The deets, what were they the celebrating if they were out post-match anyway? They had 40 put on them by the Sharkies. Commiseratory drinks. It's uh, it's not an easy world out there. You got to keep keep spirits high. Yeah, no. This is, this I, is, I don't know. This is my I'm team, so I'll uh, I'll defend them. But uh, yeah, yeah, nothing to celebrate there's, there's if you've been a, There's a time and a, there's always a time and a place, isn't there, Hall? There's a time and a place, mate. Yeah, I'm just trying to read it now. It just says they broke curfew. Um, they'll be dropped and they'll be named on Thursday. They've all been pretty tight-lipped at the moment. But, yeah, you're right. There's a time and a place. And you know what? After a loss like that, sometimes it is like, just forget about it, boys. Go and have a few beers. and you go, We'll hear about it when you'll probably get more information. If it's like, let's be home by 2 o'clock and guys are stumbling in at 5.30, like that's completely disrespectful. But, um, again, there's instances where there's always a, a, a reason why. So say they say, be home at 2 o'clock. You're home at 2.30 because you go and had to go and drag your mate who was struggling. Like, There's reasons why people do these things and they stay out. So, again, until you know all the details, it's very hard to, to look right into it. But I'm a big fan of if players lead that stuff, then you'll get a better outcome as opposed to um, your coach telling you what time you have to be home. All right. Well, what seems certain is that it will be five players um, stood down. So it does open the door for the Reds a bit, doesn't it? Uh, we don't know who the players are, but I imagine there's you know one or two sort of key players amongst that uh, amongst that mix. So yeah, what do we think? The Reds, any chance of, of springing an upset here? They've uh, come off a tough loss to the Crusaders, well and truly outclassed, it's, it's fair to say. Um, any, any chance of an upset, Halsey? Well, with five players potentially not playing or whether they're on the bench, I'm not sure. Um, I just... No, no, look... 
you're always a chance at sport. That's what's so great about it. And the Reds have proven at times, you know, they took the Highlanders on and, and did well. And they're just, I just find it really difficult. These Hurricanes guys will be dirty. The ones that, the ones that weren't in there were dirty. The, the whole team will be on edge and, and you'll actually get a really good indication of if this Hurricane side are, are genuine title contenders, how they bounce back from a, one, not only a loss, but a bit of off-field drama in a week. So I think I actually probably lean heavily towards the Canes. I'm with you. What about you, uh, Sean? Uh, Reds, any shot here? Uh, I'm going to make it a sweep. Canes for me, please. All righty. We'll move on to uh, Waratahs Bulls. Now, the Waratahs have suddenly turned the season around, haven't they? It wasn't a great watch, it's fair to say, against the, the Cheetahs, but they got the job done again. And suddenly, um, you know, they're, they're right there um, in the Australian Conference. I think if that uh, that final try had been allowed and, um, and Foley had got that conversion over in time, they would have gone top of the Australian Conference. So, if Halsey, firstly, uh, are they going to roll on against the Bulls here and, and uh, continue their climb up the Aussie Conference? Well, firstly, the grass is too long at Allianz Stadium. I need to outline that to you. I think that's <laughs> something the groundsman who probably tunes in every week to his Fox Sports rugby podcast. I hope you're listening. Um, the, the ground isn't in great shape. and that, that what's, was, what's, what's the state of the grounds at the moment? Uh, no one can put a good, uh, good paddock out there. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because they've got so much sport being played on it and you've always got to try and make it look good for the, for the TV, but what it looks like and what it feels like is two different things. So I think when when you keep your grass a little bit longer, you're a big fan of the grass, Sean. You've spoken about this several times. But mm. if you keep the grass longer, it makes it look better from a distance, but it makes, obviously, more dew on the ground. So one thing the Kiwis get right, and they don't get much right over there, Sam, but they get their, they get their grass right. The pitches are always very short and fast. And um, But going on to the actual game, the Tars, they'll be happy with that win last week. It was scrappy, and you, know, you could see there was frustration in the plays. But it's good to be frustrated and still win a game of rugby. So... There's things in their game that, that's really improving. Their set piece, they're delivering cleaner ball. That They weren't challenged. It was a very young cheetah scrum last week. So um, I'd be wary of saying that they've turned their scrum problems around. I think this week will be a bigger test and then going on to the Crusaders and whatnot. But they've improved it. Lot to Tafu plot on now coming into a side will always help your scrum as well. So, And just their, their key players, like Bernard Foley's playing outstanding rugby, as is Kirtley Beal, Izzy Folau. Kellaway's been sensational. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, up against the Bulls side, who didn't go all that well last weekend, I think the Tars are a genuine chance. So they'll be – the Tars and one of the Brumbies or the Rebels will be sitting very close to the top of the conference next week. It was a bit of an opportunity missed, though, wasn't it, uh, to, to not play a bit more sparkling style of rugby. They came back on a high from South Africa, and maybe that caught up with them. But uh, it was, it was firstly, that, that first half was a bit of a grind, wasn't it? And uh, when you're trying to bring crowds back to Allianz, it was a, a bit of a shame that they couldn't put, you know, what was a, a pretty average cheetahs um, side to the sword a bit more and, and pick up that bonus point. Yeah, they're certainly playing a, a bit more of a territory-based game. You know, holding a bit similar to the the Highlanders. Actually, they they can go games where they've got thirty to fifty, thirty to forty percent of possession and. And as opposed to last year with our 60, 65% possession side. So they're just playing a new style of footy under Daryl Gibson and it's taking time, but they're, they're slowly getting there. And once they understand when they're kicking and why they're kicking, then I think uh, that they'll improve. Again, we sit there in the crowd and we want to see nothing but end-to-end -end rugby, but they need to get wins. So yep. it's a bit of a balance. And I find that the side that they had the last couple of years could play that way and it takes a bit of time to, to make these changes. So pretty wise from Daryl to, to, to make those changes I, I feel with the squad that he's got so uh, you always want to see better entertaining rugby and Sydney's a place that needs it so you, you almost excuse that one and, and say the conditions weren't great even though it wasn't raining um, it wasn't a great night for handling out there so hopefully 
they can improve it this week at, at another home game. And Sean, you were down there in Canberra and uh, saw the big Bulls boys up close and, and personal against the Brumbies. Uh, what did you make of them? And uh, are they any shot against against the Tars, who will obviously be, be favourites? I thought they were so unlucky in, in terms of a number of the refereeing decisions that went against them at the weekend. Every time they got on a roll or uh, looked to be building any momentum, that seemed to be ripped away from them by the whistle of Ben O'Keefe. That's just how I saw it. I might be might have uh, misinterpreted some of his calls, but they were they were closed out. The crowd got in behind the Brumbies and helped the influence, I think, a number of, um, of those titles. Never really allowed to play any footy. Jesse Creel hardly touched the ball. A couple of mistakes that we didn't see a week previous. It was a perfect storm for them down there in Canberra. I expect they will bounce back and be much better for it against the Tars this week. And I think they'll go very close to, to rolling the Tars this week. Good stuff, Shawnee. Well, we're getting the uh, the hurry up from our technicians here. I think uh, you've got to go off and get a croissant before um, before running around with the Sevens boys, Shawnee. And and Stephen's uh, probably off to Randwick or something to do a bit of training. What, what are you up to this uh, afternoon? I trained last night with Randwick, actually, Sam. Okay. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Went down. Bit of a morale boost for the boys, they said. So. Bringing the crowds back to the shoot. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll go back down there in a few weeks' time and... Um, they, they're going pretty well, hence, the, hence me coming back and playing. I can sniff a premiership, so I'll be down there soon, jumping on the back of that. Good stuff. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us, boys. We'll do it all again next week, and uh, enjoy the weekend of rugby, people.